Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, the cast of the Straight No Chaser podcast. Hey, what you drink? I want to I want to bring I want to bring John in, but uh, I'll tell you that uh, that was one of the key factors that I was really trying to trumpet as my daughter was looking to go to college because, you know, fortunately, you know, we get to, you know, I get to stand on the shoulders of of my parents who did relatively well. You know, I I got out and I did my thing and I did relatively well. And, and, you know, my daughter had the ability to go to almost any university that she wanted to, to a certain degree. And while I value what a strong PWI name on your resume could mean, I really wanted her to have that sense of, I got whatever's in front of me. I I don't know what's on the other side of the wall. I just know I can get through this wall. And whatever it is, it's like the the old, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember the old Joe Joe Torrey joke where he said, uh, yeah, I'm flying in first class. It's my first time. I don't know what I'm supposed to get up here, but I better get everything. Yeah. Right. Whatever it is I'm supposed to get, I want everything. What at all. It was also something about Howard specifically, because like I said, I went to Prairie View A&M and it was a little bit different mm-hmm. at Prairie View. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Howard and I want to say places like Morehouse, Spelman, Florida A&M. There's a there's a group of historically black colleges that graduates of those kind of colleges feel like they have gone through more of a process. I don't know the best way to say it. Whereas the Prairie View A&M was like, everybody from the north side of Houston goes to Prairie View. Anybody can go to Prairie View. Nothing wrong with Prairie View, but when you hear somebody went to Prairie View, great, it puts something in your head. A lot of people have never even heard of Prairie View A&M. You would be hard pressed to find even white people or any people that have no concept of Howard, for example. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a reason for all that, but you know, it is what it is. I'll tell I'll tell you, and then KG, I want to bring you in uh, to this conversation as well. But w- one of the things that my my daughter experienced because now she's at this point she has just finished her her freshman year at Spelman, 
and biochemistry major. You're killing it. And one of the things she came to me with, and she's like, you know, dad, I'm doing really poorly in this class and I don't know how to handle it. And I said, well, sweetheart, you just, you know, let's figure out a strategy and let, let's start with what does poorly mean? And she's like, well, dad, you know, I, I, I barely got a C plus. I'm a long way from the, the A minus that I'm used to getting in high school because they're grading on a curve. And, you know, everyone here is just, you know, everyone here <laughs> is messing up the curve. So it's just this, this realization that there are places where first generation college students can find a home in college. And that might be some of the prairie views of the world. There's a space for that and real, I mean, real benefit. But once you get to the Howards, the Morehouse, the Spellmans, as you said, it's like everyone from around the world, the top 10% of almost every university of every high school is trying to come to those colleges and, 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 and they're not playing. You talk about going through something. I, I am so glad I did not even attempt <laughs> to go to an HBCU because they might've hurt my feelings. I mean, how I hurt my feelings. They still hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, if, if I'm being quite honest, college is different for different people. You, you don't know what you don't know until you get a chance to experience it. And there's a, there's a word that I'll use, it's called perseverance. And in college, you have a choice. And I'm not saying you, you quit, but you can pivot and go to a place where it's a little bit more forgiving. The classroom size may not be as large. The campus may not, may not be as big. Um, but if you, can, if you can get through it at a Howard or a Spelman or a Morehouse or a North Carolina A&T or, you know, a Florida A&M, you know, pick any of those large, larger yeah. HBCUs in Hampton. Howard is challenging. Um, these larger schools are challenging. And a C plus at the end of the day is passing. Nobody's looking at at your at that grade for that particular for that particular uh, class, unless it's what she wants to focus on, you know, once she once she graduates. And even then, you have you don't know what the doctors made. They just, you know, they pass the exam. You right. know if it's an A like 100 percent or like a, a 75. We have no right. idea. They're right, doctors. Right. So at the end of the day, when you get into the world, it's about are you able to do whatever job task that you're assigned to do, it's not about your scoring per se for the most part. So yeah. it'll be just fine. But she doesn't, she doesn't know what she doesn't know right now. Exactly. Go ahead, Ra. And just a side piece, like, look, I, I, I can go all day with this because my, my field is college readiness, college access, college support. So I, I can do this all day. But just for you and for your daughter, I would say that high school preparation for college is different. It is not what it was when we were in high school, but college has continued to progress. Mm -hmm. So high school prep has been halted, has been stunted, but the college existence is what's what's pushing new technology. So it keeps moving forward. And 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 I didn't it wasn't as clear to me as when, you know, if I almost five years ago, I got married and a part of that blessing was that I was able to now pick up a young lady at the age of 12 who became my daughter. So I got to work with her through high school and, and be in her life through high school. Now she is a freshman, well, actually a rising sophomore at uh, Hampton Institute, uh, following in her mama's footsteps. It's a house divided. Mama went to Hampton. I went to Howard. But one of the things in high school that I, I, I recognized, I was like, yeah, so let's work on this. Let's do that. Da, da, da. Let me see a textbook. So we all, she's like, I don't have no textbooks. I'm like, what? Oh, no, high school, we don't get textbooks. All of our stuff is online. 
I was like, well, so how do you, how do you, like education's about rep- repetition. How do you go over this stuff over and over and over again to know that you learned your, your lesson if you don't have a textbook to bring home with you? But across the board, high school has become more economical where they don't print books now and they don't support homework and, and the learning is different. Just in the, I'll just say for DCPS, you could not take a test, miss the test. And instead of getting a zero, you got to the end of the term to take that test. I'll tell you that that that's something I I could not get used to. <laughs> or you could go you could go talk to the teacher and say, "Hey, look, I, I I don't feel prepared to take it today. Can I take it next Thursday?" I I could not imagine <laughs> having that conversations with any of my teachers when I was in high school. But but college <laughs> has not made those accommodations. <laughs> so now they have been trained that this is what education looks like. And they get there and, and they don't have all of the tools that they should have to get the A's that they was getting in high school. So I'm just saying, tell her to be light on herself. It ain't all her. You don't blame the pot, the pot. You blame the potter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's how yeah. she's made. The workplace is more so what high school is like currently. College, based on what you're describing, is now the exception. And work, where I work and what we allow the people on our, in our organization to do and get away with, I'm going to use the term get away with, it is absolutely not the same what it was when I first entered the workforce in the 90s. So there's been a significant pivot. The power is in the strength and in the, in the employees as opposed to being at the top of the, you know, most organizations at this point. So they got a great skill. Yeah. I think if you, if you pull that skill from, from college, that paired with the high school and what the world is now kind of kind of looking right. like, they're going to be a force in the future. Yeah. But, you know. I want to bring uh, this conversation really to the core of what this podcast is about, because it's great for us to connect over you know, college experience and, and HBCU experience, which is different if you have never been to an HBCU. So I'm getting my my second real exposure to HBCU through my daughter. But really the point of this podcast is is really around whiskey, jazz, and leadership. So we, we talked about whiskey literally. Uh, I'm just, I'm a fan of whiskey literally. I think I probably have, I don't know, 70, 80 bottles. And if I've got 80 bottles and 75 of them are open, so I am not a collector because... If I have a bottle and it's not open, it's by chance. And that time, the bottle's time is coming. But I also like whiskey as a metaphor. And so for me, you guys really embody the metaphor of whiskey in that do what you enjoy with the folks you enjoy, regardless of what other folks might think. Uh, That's the metaphor of whiskey for me. And jazz is, is about... How do I get from where I am to where I need to be, even when there's no sheet music, right? Even when I got to feel my way, how, how do I, you know, I still have to get there on time in key uh, to hand this over to whoever's running the next, the next leg of the race. And then leadership for me, you know, again, literally that's, that's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a certified executive coach. I help leaders at all levels uh, get better at what they're trying to do. But the metaphor is just this idea that nobody eats unless somebody kills something, right? At some point, someone has to either chop a plant, (laughs) uh, trap an animal. Somebody's got to do something in order to make sure that 
they eat. So my question to you is, how does whiskey, jazz, and leadership fit in what you're trying to do either as a podcast or what you're what you're doing individually? Does it fit? And if so, how? That's deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll jump out there. It absolutely fits when I think about all of our own individual lives, when I think about this podcast, when I think about my own personal experience, when I think about that whole that whole whiskey piece, um, I'm a, I'm gonna do me. I'm I'm gonna be excitable about it. I'm gonna enjoy it. I may be right. I may be wrong. If I find out I'm wrong, especially you know when I deal with my boys, if they make it clear that I'm wrong, I, you know I'm I'm gonna be like, okay, that was the wrong way to go. I'm gonna amend my my process, and then I'm gonna try to do better. But it's it's about living life. And, and that's where we have gotten to. We have gotten to that point. I know I have gotten to that point. There's a word that I use a lot. I use iteration because we are, I'm a different iteration of myself than I was when we first started kicking it. And I have grown to the point where now, as Cage likes to point out all the time, we can afford the things we could not afford before. I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to do it unapologetically because I've, I've lived in hell. So, you know, don't tell me about enjoying heaven right now because I lived in hell. When I think about jazz, and you're talking about someone who's an old trombone player. All right, all right. You know, I played trombone for eight years, hated it the entire time. <laughs> and man, that 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 improvisation sometimes of of what life looks like, and you don't have the sheet music, and all you know is you gotta get to school in John's case. All you know is you got to make money because you got a family support or, you know, you, you got to, at the very least, find yourself in a position where you're not so depressed that you're going to give up on life. Like you, you got to be able to look at what the world is giving you and play those keys accordingly and play it in a way that's harmonious to you, what makes sense to you, how it feels for you. And if you're tied into other folks who connect with it, even better, we've been blessed to be tied in with each other. And then that leadership piece, that's another thing I think for us, because we have been able, our, this iteration of our lives across the board, we're all in leadership positions. Every last one of us now, you know, we are all in a position where we are responsible for regions, responsible for people, responsible for students, responsible for organizations. Like We had to grow to this point. And the only way we could grow to this point is if we could look back on our lives and be like, okay, there was the lesson, there was the lesson, there was the lesson. And then once again, start to amend the way we go. Um, all the while understanding that the decision we make tomorrow may be the wrong decision. So we still make, make, make wrong choices. We're not perfect. We don't got it right. We ain't God in this piece. The problem, though, I think for the four of us is we are all passionate about everything. And sometimes when we communicate in passion, people on the outside view that as us setting ourselves up as the authoritative fi figure and, and voice on whatever we're speaking on. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I don't know everything about this. I don't know, but I'm, when I speak on it, I speak on it with passion. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know what I believe. I know what I think, but that's about it. <laughs> now I'm, I, I'm, I'm leaving you space to you know, Don't let my passion bully you. Come yeah. back with me, you know. But right. to, to Ross' point, we're passionate but not steadfast. You know, one of Ross' original points was if his boys say, hey, if his wife says, or if the information around him influences his position, he'll pivot. All of us will. 
Except John. I think John is probably the most person. He, he, he puts his pivot down. He puts his, his, his stake down. That's what John normally is. But I would say for the most part, you know, we're, we're relatively able to accept information and, and, and change directions. As I, as I think about our podcast, I would say it's still in its infancy, right? This is not the first time we tried something. We did a podcast before. It wasn't a podcast. It was a show. I forget. It's like a brother's point of view. It was like years ago. We did that for probably like a year and a half. And, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't really know that space that way. And it fell off. So to your point, I think you shared, Galen, that you, this is your second iteration of, of the show. And this one has been a lot more consistent. And the content has been more readily available. I think this version of our, of our connectedness, our show, is, is going. So I think, you know, that's whiskey. Whiskey is persistent. We are too. Um, when I think about jazz and kind of freestyling, we do that sometimes because we have a fourth member who's not present and we love him. We keep it going. It is what it is. We love him. He'll come back in and he'll, he'll fit in just like fine wine and we'll right. keep it moving to keep it right. pushing. In life, you know, I think about me personally, I, I, I got kicked out of school, so to speak, financially. And, you know, there was a moment in time and John is the person you, 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 hear, you hear all of these stories of how we've all kind of influenced each other. You know, John told me, uh, my granddad would not give me a lot of, he wouldn't sign a loan to help me get back in school. He said, son, that's your responsibility. You got to figure that out. I was pissed. I was mad as hell. Like, dude, I need your help right now. Where, where, what you doing? So I came back to our house. Shout out to 23 Seating Place, uh, Northwest. That's where we all live. Uh, and I saw John in the hallway where we were all used to commune. And I told him what was going on. He's like, he's right. You tripping. You grown, you, you a young grown man, you gotta figure that out. I was mad at him too for saying that to me, but he was right too. That conversation changed my whole life. He he never he doesn't understand how big it was, but that is jazz personified. You shift on the moment and you keep it moving. And it was tough. It was real hard. But you know, I'm in my house right now. I'm, I'm here, my kid, I got family, I'm good. I am good. Uh, right. when I think about really leadership, that has evolved for me. You know, being an only child, coming from Gary, Indiana, going to Howard University, living in Baltimore, living in North Carolina, living in Atlanta, now living in Texas, that is all culminated with me leading people and teams and strategies and processes. So all of these experiences, all of the things that my friends support into me, my family, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's got me to this place. I feel like I'm a lot more balanced now. Still got ways to go, still learning and growing, but Whiskey Jazz leadership is like our lives, our experiences personified. Mm, I love it. I love it. It's deep. I mean, I've and I will say this every time you bring this up, like when KG was talking about that discussion about his uh, grandfather, in my mind, I don't exactly remember and recall that exact conversation. However, I would, if I could have said it again, I would say that like what I meant was that it is your responsibility. I think that's what I meant. It's your responsibility to figure it out, not that he was right and not co-signing for you or doing what he could or whatever. And, you know, it's funny how we all take different things and different parables and meanings from stuff. I have not heard of uh, the metaphors that you were using for like whiskey and jazz and leadership before, but they are very appropriate for all of us because it's like the leadership thing is something that I came back to because. We are all very different, as Rashim said earlier in the uh, show. And 
that difference is has to kind of come up when the individual person has to do something that's like outside of their comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? That to me is what leadership is. Like, it's very easy to just be in your little comfort zone. This is what I know. This is what I'm comfortable with. Boom, that's it. But as soon as you step out of that, that's where the growth comes. It's scary. It can be dangerous. You can fail. But that's where the growth comes. And when I tell we talk about this on a regular basis internally, like when we compare, not just when we was like all living together because we lived together in a group house, but I can take it back to my childhood when I compare like the growth from a young person to a young adult to now to who knows what is going to happen in the future is just like amazing to me that we have been able to do the kind of things that we've been able to do statistically should not have happened. We are all Mm -hmm. the product of broken homes. We are all raised in different kinds of ways. The one of the things that I don't think we mentioned a lot of people at Howard God bless them. They should have had that kind of support. Their family had support. They got scholarships, you know, and that is wonderful and that's good for them. But for all four of us, we was kind of really, really solo and we had to figure it out. And if you did not figure it out, that's where I was coming from, Keltrick. Like, if you didn't figure it out, then you were just like, what, what else is there to do? You going to pack it up and go home? Or you're like, this, this is it, unfortunately. It sucks, right. Right. but this is how it is. And that's how it was for all of us. And I think the reason that we are such good friends is because we have seen each other through both the highs and the lows. Like you get to a certain point in life, it's very difficult for you to show vulnerability, right? When you get older, it's very difficult for you to be vulnerable, especially to new people. It's dangerous. You don't want to do that. I don't think that you can have a real friendship with someone that you have not seen in both good and bad times because you don't know their real character. Mm -hmm. I can vouch very much so for Rashim's character. Keltrick's character, Neil's character. Like if you was to tell me uh, something, you you don't see Neil. Neil is a very huge hulking dude with a whole bunch of tattoos. Neil looks like a biker. Uh, Neil is a uh, teacher, you know. Uh, Neil works with young children. You know what I'm saying? You would never associate the image with what he's actually doing. But I would absolutely, like knowing Neil, I would trust Neil with my kids, you know, whatever, whatever. But people looking at Neil might be like, oh no, you know what I'm saying? Or eat him and kill him. Right. Wow. You know, yeah. they expect Neil to ride in on a motorcycle and take their kids and, you know, whatever. But my point being is that um, we know one another. We've seen each other through both highs and lows and ups and downs and so on and so forth. And we know each other's real, real character. So, you know, I think that kind of comes through in the podcast and that all ties into the leadership thing, because it's very difficult to step out yeah. of that comfort zone. Yeah. And luckily we've been able to do that kind of thing going on 20 plus years, you know? Yeah. Well, we, we are literally roses that, that grew from the concrete in our mm. respective environment. Ooh. We are unicorns. He's stealing from Tupac. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite artist. My favorite artist. But literally yeah. we are. Like if yeah. you think about the environment that Rasheen came from and, mm. and, you know, I don't know if I want to say where you're from because I, I don't want you to put it out there like that. But, you know, with the whole DMX, uh, you know, Neil... Neil in the Bronx, you know, John down in Houston, I'm in Gary, Indiana, and all of those respective environments were very challenging for us. Yeah, yeah. And to escape that through the broken families and obviously, you know, the people that loved us gave us support. Like my grandparents gave me support. Um, I had some extended family who were not related to me, but you know how it is in the black community. You know, I had some aunties and uncles that wasn't my aunties and uncles that, that looked out. So, yeah. you know, to, to get to Howard, 
I mean, this is an expensive private school and we all struggle through this experience to, to be what we are right now. We are literally unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to bring you guys into the VIP room because I mean, this is just an amazing representation of, of what it means to go through a shared, uh, a shared context together and be able to come out on the other side and still, um, you know, have each other's backs. But before we go into the VIP room, I, I would love to have one uh, of you talk a little bit about the podcast. Why would people want to tune into the podcast? Uh, if they haven't seen it before, how can they know what they're getting into? I mean, I, I kind of know now, so I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to find my space. But if someone doesn't know, how could you describe what that podcast is and what they're going to get when they tune in? As brief as possible, I'll let you know. Uh, four, sometimes three, grown black men with opinions that represent their um, their background, their varied experiences, coming to you from a genuine and sincere point of view, which is very different than what you may see with a lot of well-known podcasts led by black men um you you will get the the real conversation we'll get conversation from people who want to learn and grow you, you'll get conversation from people who can talk in full sentences and get a point of view that you can actually engage in and for men we represent you all we have enough between the four of us to represent your thinking and you may as as, as galen has said early you may bounce from one person's point of view to another person's point of view depending on the topic but it's there and for the for the sisters for the women you will be able to engage with men in a constructive way that may even inform the way you think about and the way you view the world so i think it's a positive across the board and if you stream live with us you also get an opportunity to inform that conversation and impact that conversation because we bring in comments and we talk with, about the comments in the context of, of, of the um, show. So with that, tune in to the uh, Straight No Chase of the podcast. Well, I'll tell you, it, it is definitely time well spent. And uh, I absolutely agree with everything and can endorse everything that Roger said because uh, I, I definitely saw myself, uh, I heard my point of view each time that I have tuned in and, you know, yeah. And uh, I'm in the comments too, man. And they're like, they're building off my comments. I'm like, okay, so they're doing this real time, right? You can tell when, when, when podcasters have their agenda and they've got their script and that's what they're going to stick to. Uh, you can tell when people are really in this conversation. I love uh, Rob when you use the word genuine because that was certainly the, the the feeling that I got from every time I've been a part of anything you guys were doing. So we're gonna we're gonna bring you if you got a few more minutes. I'm gonna bring you into the VIP room so that uh, our VIPs can can get can get a sense as to uh, what this is really about. But uh, for now, raise your glass. Um, man, I'm, I'm enjoying this infinity blend I got going, but um, definitely check out Straight No Chase the podcast. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. Right, cheers. And Chen. Salute. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. 
Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.